Okay, so let's talk about something else that's kind of interesting. So speaking of crazy people, um, what do you think about all this AI? Have you messed with it at all? I haven't messed with AI at all. Um, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit addicted. Really? Oh, my gosh, What have you done? So keeping in touch with your sphere, writing newsletters. Oh, man, there's something I haven't tapped. Dude, like, okay, you go on to – so I ended up buying – so chat GPT is the one everybody's talking about because it's free. It's pretty freaking cool, though. Okay. But Jasper, you have to pay for it. And so for what we do, I think it's a better – fit because they have a whole bunch of templates. So like I can go and say SEO blog post and I can say, write me an article about how to save money uh, on electricity in the winter months and make it 2000 words and make it funny and informative and, and write it uh, to my real estate clients. It's content creation without you having to do it. That's amazing. And it's like they, it does. It can do the call to action. So I did it for that. Sent an email out to my whole, you know, sphere. Heard back from several of them, which is cool. Um, I wrote multiple blog posts for the my website, just because you know the more you put yeah. on there, the more chances you, you have of being optimized. Uh, I had it write a whole uh, social media marketing campaign. It includes um, hashtags. Wild. It will do one for LinkedIn, for Instagram, for Facebook, for Twitter. It'll do all of them based on how many characters and what is optimized. You, I mean, you have to fill out, like, the prompts. Like, what, is, what do you sure. want it to be about? Sure. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's pretty amazing. So you're already seeing results, though. Well, I'm, it's just it's helping. And I'll tell you, ever since I started doing this, along with just putting video content out like I used to. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when we get too busy, we kind of fall away from what helped us get to where we are. Now that I've been doing it, my my Facebook, which is the majority of my marketing cuz all of us old people are on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> the young kids are not anymore. But anyway, uh I've had over a 200% increase in just in exposure in our area, which That's I awesome. think is great, you know. It's awesome. So, how much of your business is referral versus past clients versus just organic from Facebook type I would say past clients is probably 50% now, and referral is probably 50%. Well, I mean, obviously, it has to be 100%. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay for leads. I don't pay for do advertising. I. So mm-hmm. it's all just based on, you know, what we do. So. so so your Facebook is truly for past clients then, not so much for lead generation? No, I for- do. I mean, I do. I get new clients from Facebook all the time that see what I do and they know what I do and gotcha. they want me to do, you know, do it for them. So it's, you know, I market real estate the same way I did for photography, which is people feel like they know who I am just because of watching videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, a, I think, the biggest thing because they're hiring us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. We're more than just a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> And they have to know that. But anyway. So do you have a Facebook page that's personal and then a Facebook page that's business? Or do you combine? Well, so technically to be, um, what's it called? Compliance Mm -hmm. with the state of Texas. We have to, if we're posting something about real estate, we have to have one click away from our AIBS. AIBS. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's on my work page. So I always tag my work page, but I do everything on my personal page. But that way I'm still compliant. You know what I mean? But 
Yeah, no, I mean, no. Facebook wants to limit how much reach you have on any sort of business page mm-hmm. unless you pay for it. I purposely didn't set up a business page and only have, well, Points West has a business business page, yeah. and that markets all of our properties and all of our agents. But as far as my own personal marketing, it's only on my page. You don't do a lot of real estate marketing on your personal page I don't. at all. I don't. People... Sorry, my phone is busy today. It's been a busy day. <laughs> well, I think it's important, I mean, for new clients. But, I mean, if yeah. you're getting plenty of business from your sphere, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, it's just always interesting to hear how other people do it, what works, what doesn't work. Um, I could definitely do a better job of marketing my business on my own personal page, but I also don't want it to be um, – I want it to be genuine. Yeah, I mean, whatever works, whatever works to bring in the people without having to pay for leads from Zillow. Right. Are you still using Showing Times? Have you switched to Broker oh, Bay? Oh, I've switched to Broker Bay, and Showing Time did not want to let me go. Okay. I and haven't done it yet, and I really need to do it. But I really just... like it. I like it. But the thing is, the thing that was killing me, because we did switch to Broker Bay. So, okay, so just to give you some background, uh, Showing Time is owned by Zillow. Yes. And when we book showings or when people, when we use showing a uh, showing time as listing agents um, and people want to book a showing, they use that app or they use that website. And right. So they want your client's information, their yeah. phone number, their email address to approve yep. showings. They have all our clients' data. They have data about what is showing and what zip codes and this and that. They know how to you know, gauge their eye buyers based on some of that information as yep. well. And we as brokers, I mean, because Zillow technically is a brokerage now. Correct. So they are in direct competition with us, also owning all of this data. So our MLS just reached out to a company called Broker Bay, which is out of Canada. Did I you didn't know, know that? that, no. Yeah. He, so when you listen to him, eh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got this... Uh, oot and a boot type accent so he's kind of fun but anyway so he came up with this um competitor to uh showing time called broker bay so we had to pay for showing time about 50 60 bucks a month yeah for unlimited listings and broker bay is free and included with our mls dues which is great i'm sure he's getting some of that mls dues. oh i'm sure i'm sure but- but At for least us, we're it's getting great. a benefit from our dues. Right, right. And we're protecting our clients' information Absolutely. too. But what was killing me was that Showing Time wasn't letting us cancel because they were like, oh no, Broker Bay sucks. Just keep us on because you're going to hate Broker Bay and you're going to come back to us. And then I'm getting showings for the same listings booking on both, both sides. Yeah. And it's just freaking confusing. But I'll tell you, in the middle of all this change, it's so frustrating because now, like, the, I just went and showed in Saginaw couple days ago i had to book showings four different ways mm. so i don't have like one specific place anymore because yeah. half the people are on broker bay half are on showing time somebody's using this other app called showing pro and hmm. then somebody else was just doing you know text the agent yep so it's like we're back to our old like old school like writing the list of what we're gonna go see and when and what the showing instructions are so but i like it good i say it's I gotta, worth it i gotta make the switch because don't want to support Zillow. Right, right, exactly. And it's it's a decent app. I mean, it obviously takes some getting used to, sure. but it's pretty decent. So so speaking of change, the University of Maine is trying to mass produce affordable housing. Hmm. So if you guys haven't seen this, go to a website called Maine Public, like M-A-I-N-E, mainepublic.org, and you'll see this article. But basically, they are uh, proposing 
and promising, actually, a climate-friendly response to the nation's affordable housing crisis. They are doing bio-based 3D-printed homes. Hmm. So, and they're kind of modern, interesting-looking. Kind of looks like the Jetsons to me. It does kind of look like the Jetsons. Except for not on the The inside... Towers, but, like, it's very, very modern. The, I think the inside looks really cool. You know? The roof and the walls, the floor. Yeah. They're all made from... The 3D printer. I'd like to know how they um, handle. What are they making it from? Heat though? transfer. Well, this said they are using wood flour that is the waste left over from a sawmill mixed together with a binder made from corn. Sounds I, like good natural product. I feel like an animal might want to eat this. Like that <laughs> that dog, he will chew on everything wood. That's awesome. <laughs> now it's it's mixed with corn. Uh, That's kind of crazy, right? Yes. There's 1.2 million tons of wood residuals in our sawmills right now that could go towards printing housing. <laughs> I wonder how much the cost of this is. But the pictures are, I think it it looks pretty modern and pretty cool, if yeah. you like the modern look. I do. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting. They we are... Well, definitely need more affordable options. Like Oh, yeah. Obviously, using this new technology, you're probably going to cut down on labor expense. And if you're using... That's what this just said. Yeah. If you're using recycled materials, I assuming you're getting those for little to no cost. Um, right. That's where your savings is going to be. So this says, we all know our labor force challenges. That's not going to go away. Mm-mm. The idea that we can create housing units in a fraction of the time with a fraction of the workforce... Adds an efficiency that we've never experienced before. I wonder how they handle plumbing. I wonder if the walls are thick enough to where they don't even have to do insulation. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably got great R values if it's packed as tight as it probably is if it's sawdust. Right. It says this first prototype is going to sit outside for several months. They're going to collect information from sensors about the impact of cold snow and heat and humidity on the house. Hmm. Um so I, they're just in the beginning planning stages, but I think it's pretty interesting. It is. I wonder what impact would be to the labor market if it becomes kind of mainstream. I know. But you know what? Like, I wonder if this would be almost a safer product. Have you, how many new construction homes have you been in that are just like, you're actually fearful <laughs> for your clients because of how they were framed, how they were built? Yeah. Have you seen much of that? I haven't seen a ton of that. Um but I, I know what you're talking about. I've been in a couple of houses where it's questionable, to say the least. So my inspector was a builder for 30 years. Well, the guy that I usually use for inspections, mm-hmm. he was a builder for 30 years, framing, mostly a framer. Like, he worked for a lot of builders in our area doing framing back in the day. And he went to Walsh Ranch and walked through some of those homes doing inspections. And he literally was so upset with one of the main builders in there. Oh, name drop. I'm not going to do it. But he called that guy and said, and he was heated. Like, this guy doesn't get too heated, but he was heated. And he said, if you call yourself a builder and this is what you're building, he said, this house in a strong wind could fall down. Oh, my goodness. He said, this is literally dangerous. This is like post-construction or mid-construction, he's saying. I'm not sure. I think that this was probably, he was probably hired to do. Stages. And yes. he's looking at yeah, framing for the buyers. there. Yes. Yes. So. I've definitely had problems with buyers um, on new new construction and complaining about certain things being done a certain way before they're done. Right. And that's a whole other set of problems. That's different, yeah. Where you've got 
a non-professional telling a professional how to do their job. I'm sure you've experienced that before in your own career. No, never. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when you've got a professional uh, licensed uh, inspector telling a builder that he's not doing it right, that's definitely concerning. Yeah. I mean, it, he said that it was scary. He goes, he goes, you know this builder? And I said, yeah. He goes, over in Walsh Ranch? I said, yes. <laughs> and Walsh Ranch is like... I mean, that's it's a fancy. No, that's a high end neighborhood. It's a fancy development. A lot of amenities, very yep. high price for. Uh, he literally said, "Don't bring any buyers to this builder because these homes are not safe." Wow, that's honestly, I couldn't even remember the builder, who it was. If you said Your the names didn't of them, buy it? no, we were. It wasn't for my client. Oh, okay. He just that's good. I saw him on an inspection, and gotcha. he said, "Hey, just be aware." Of this. So I thought that that was probably the scary. I wouldn't say it's scary, but for a client would be scary. Um, there's a builder building in Springtown, building um, several different neighborhoods, but they hire their their own crew. So they have no trades coming in. They all work for the same guy, hmm. um, which is a cool concept. They're putting up houses in a matter of weeks instead of a matter of months because you're not waiting on anyone. Yeah. Um, but one of the things they wanted to write in the contract was that they would pour the driveway after they closed the next house. They're basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. And That's like a Ponzi setup. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was the end of the conversation with that specific builder. But like, there was things that you would agree to um, that would happen after closing. And I was like, "That's not really no. how this is supposed to work." Plus, a lender and an appraiser is not going right. to be happy well, with that. His first question was, are, are, "Is this a VA or a FHA buyer?" And I said, "Well, what does that matter? It's basically, matters because of the inspections that they're going to do." Oh my gosh, who who was that? Uh, don't remember. Either. I'll cut it out. <laughs> but I need to know. <laughs> I honestly don't. You remember. don't. Uh-uh. I could probably figure gosh. it out, but. Uh, Went back, my client went back and looked at this guy, and he's had like four or five different building companies that he shut down because of lawsuits. Oh. Yeah, like. I bet I know who it is. Yeah. Yes, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) We know things. (laughs) I'm telling you, he's been sued. He's, this guy was developing something over here on the main road. Yeah. And those houses were falling apart because he didn't do the foundations correctly. Yeah. They were cracking and falling apart. Yeah. And he has a very specific look to his homes, too. Mm-hmm. So anytime those go out. Polished concrete floors, uh-huh, really ornate floors. Terrible, like terrible epoxied, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime my client's like, oh, my gosh, look at the price of this one on two acres. I'm like, yep. no way. Yep. And that's that was. No way. That was how we found it was like, this doesn't make sense. No. How How can you sell a house in this market at $135 a square when things are selling for X? Yeah. And. Yes. It doesn't make sense because of how he set the thing yeah, up. Yeah, crazy. So. And you bring up another good point. What? You should always hire a realtor, even when you're buying new construction. I think especially when you buy new construction, because the builder, you don't, you don't have an advocate for you. Absolutely. You don't, you don't have like an experienced set of eyes that we go to inspections and we learn what is right and what is not right. Their salespeople are set up to sell for the builder, not to sell to clients. And the salespeople are not the ones that are even involved in the building process. No, right. They're the people sitting in the sales office trying to pump out the numbers. Right. Right? And a lot of times they're incentivized not further to be a realtor involved. Oh, 100%. Plus they get more of the cut. Sure. Usually. Right? <laughs> BoiseStatePublicRadio.org has an article up that is talking about 
the future of our orange bag plastics. So, like, you know when you go to the grocery store and you have those plastic bags? Yeah, but they're not orange. They're brown. I know. I don't even know why they say that. Because when you actually look at the photos of this, it's like all sorts of different colors. It looks like white and blue. and Yeah. It, it looks like a, like a modern art painting, honestly. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Only when you look at it up close. When you look at it from far away... It l- looks like trash, compacted. It 100% looks like trash. It's so ugly. But they they made this, so basically what they did was they, they have this recycling program, and they are shipped to a Utah company, which chemically deconstructs the plastic into diesel fuel. Um, that sounds beneficial. Yeah, it sounds like it makes more sense than making a plastic bench out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then these people put their trash in this, and then they worked with the city of Boise and an L.A.-based Bifusion to establish this pilot program last year, diverting several truckloads of plastic away from the incinerators and into a machine called a bi-blocker. And so basically they put this trash into this thing. They create these um, like conc- like blocks that are kind of like concrete. Okay. And then they're building things out of them. And they're, they're saying the bricks are solid. And the sides, while flat, are not smooth, and they don't have to sort or clean the trash or anything like that. But are it, they paintable? God, I know, right? Because they're Cause hideous. They're hideous, and they're talking about making this into furniture or even someday homes. I can see it in some applications in a very artsy-fartsy kind of way, um, not being painted, but that looks like you're sitting on a piece of trash. It looks like you're sitting on... A, a, a giant lot of block of trash. trash. Yeah, like it's so ugly. You're 100 percent right. I'm but sure there's some applications to use it for. Kudos to you for trying to make the environment better. Yeah, but I think maybe the incinerator is maybe a better choice. <laughs> right? Yeah. I just I don't think it's that pretty. But anyway, so what's next for uh, Points West? What's next? How many agents do you have under you? Um, I think it's between six and eight. Kind of fluctuates. Um, all of us are fairly independent. Nobody comes to an office. We all kind of work our own geographic areas. And Do you have meetings much? No. I'm opposed to meetings. Yeah? No. Um, we talk on a case-by-case basis when we need something, you know. Um, it's not a, it's not as structured as a, a Keller Williams or some of those other brokerages where you have to have these mandatory meetings and you're setting these specific goals. Um, our, our agents for Points West really are kind of, uh, they are independent contractors. They set their own goals. They, you know, try to do what what they're setting out to do and do it under our brand. Um, we purposely set the brand up so that it's, it's focused on the agent and not on an individual. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Well, it sounds good, though. I mean, do you have, are you pretty selective with who you take? Absolutely. Um, I would say that my brand as a, you know, as a person is one of my most important things, right? So I definitely don't want someone that's going to ruin or tarnish my reputation. Right. Um, but the other thing that I realized in the business is that I really like managing real estate and not managing people. See, that's the thing. And I do want to get my broker's license, but I do not want no. to run a brokerage. I don't want the back office stuff. No. I don't want to have to be checking people for compliance. Yeah. 
Do you have to do all that, or do you? Yeah, I'm, yeah I legally have to do yeah. that. But if you hire the people that, um, we're getting <laughs> Ambler alert. Oh, is that what That's it is? Exactly what it is. Um, you hire the right people. There's a bit of trust there, and you right. know, the rope gets longer, and uh, it's it's a little easier to manage. It's not a day, daily thing. It's a, you know, just making sure that you're in compliance. Is this what you pictured yourself doing when you were younger? Mm. How old are you? I can't tell how I'm old you 36. are. I'm 36. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to design concept cars. I wanted to be the next Chip Foose that would draw on paper, pen and paper and design concept cars. And then computers became the only way to do that, and I didn't want to do that. So So what's your favorite exotic? Um, obtainable or unobtainable? Unob- favorite. Like, if, you, if, if money was no boundary. Um, gosh, probably uh, Ferrari F50, maybe... Um, I don't know. I, I, I try to try to set the realistic goals. Things that I would love to have. Um, I really want a McLaren. Oh I yeah. Really want a McLaren. Um, those, how much did those cost? Like three hundred grand. You or can like... find a really nice example for three hundred grand. But there's some affordable ones out there that you can get. Like the MP was MP four uh, C. You can get for like eighty, ninety, hundred k. Really. And those have like six hundred horsepower. Doors go up. Yeah. I didn't know they had McLarens for that little. Yeah, they used to sell for 300 and now they've depreciated like crazy. Do you go down to the racetracks down in Crescent and do yeah, that? Yeah, I've, I've had one of my cars out on the track down there. Um, most of the stuff that I like to do, though, is like car meets where we're going and hanging out with buddies and mm. talking about the cars. I do like to I like to drive and drive fast, but uh, this street and track is um, not something that I'm super in tune to it. I'd rather go hang out with my buddies. Yeah, that's cool. Do you do you race people at stoplights? No. I do. No. I do all the time. No, it's funny because I <laughs> most of my cars are slow cars. Really? By, by today today's standards. So um, I've got a 1996 Porsche 911 that has 287 horsepower. Isn't that mind-blowing? Because when it came out, it was like yeah, it was so fast badass. Car then, yeah. But like my truck is one of my fastest cars. I have a turbo that's like 600 horsepower, but most of the toys are relatively slow cars for today's age. Like a yeah. Toyota Camry could beat that car in a straight line race. That's so crazy. Yeah, our Fox body was like so freaking slow. <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, it's fun to just drive it's, a manual it's, again. And that's the thing. It's the experience. So the manual transmission, the smells, the the sights, oh, the way like, it was designed. I don't like the smells. It's, but I it, like driving it. But it's the nostalgia that it, all that creates. Yes. Um, and I think that's what I – part of the reason why – I like what I like is because it's things that remind me of a child. Yep. Yep. Well, it's fun stuff. My, my husband and you would get along famously. Yeah. Yes. Cause he's obsessed with cars, all sorts of them, especially those old ones and car shows and stuff like that. So what's next for you? I don't know. Just keep, I guess, building my team and working hard, making money. What's your team consist of? I have, uh, well, actually, I just have, like, a weird, probably not normal team. I don't take a split from my teammates. We're just, like, uh, agents that really have the same um, personal drive and vision and desire to be successful. And we kind of just all 
collaborate basically. Okay. So like tomorrow we're going to go shoot a whole bunch of houses that are new built and do some walkthrough videos and put them out there for people to see. So how does her being on your team benefit you and you benefit her? Well, if uh, we don't do intermediary on our team. Okay. So we don't, uh, like for instance, so what that basically means is that if, if I have a listing and a buyer comes to me and says, hey, I want to buy this house, will you write the contract? A lot of agents will say, heck yeah, I will, because then they're going to get all the commission. Mm-hmm. But our brokerage doesn't allow that. and That's so intermediary without appointments. Correct. Our brokerage says, no, you, you know, the buyer needs to be represented by a different agent. And so I would hand that buyer off to someone on my team then, and vice versa. So Essentially that's, is that's intermediary with it. appointment. Yes, yeah. So we always do it with, with appointments, but we never represent both buyer and seller ourselves. So yeah. um, it doesn't really benefit me per se, other than I have like a close-knit group of people you that are very similar help and push you forward kind of yeah accountability yeah uh, um, i don't know i i think i'm my biggest <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i like i i can never satisfy myself and what my goals are you know what i mean because i always have bigger goals and there's there's a million things that i don't know and i know that i don't know them like developing or investing like we only have one investment property which is more than a lot of people have so i'm not i'm not complaining but right. I would like to know more about that. I would like to know more about fixing and flipping. I would like to know more about all sorts of different things. So so is that some of what your goals are, is to get further into those parts that you don't know? or what? what? Yeah, definitely. I think, so my biggest goal would be become a broker in 2023, which means... you got 11 months. Yeah, I've got time. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, I would like to build kind of more of a, a sure lead. Pipeline? Yeah, for for the other agents on my team that aren't where I am. Gotcha. So I would like to be able to to create more leads for them. Um, I don't know. Keep building the podcast because this is actually super fun for me. This is a fun outlet where I get to connect with like local people, um, and I just think this is fun. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So, Thanks for asking me to come. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, Ryan Pafford, excellent broker developer car enthusiast <laughs> from Alito, Texas. So thanks for thanks for joining me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks, Heather. All right, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, please like, share, and subscribe. It makes such a huge difference to our channel, and it helps push it out there to everybody else. And don't forget, we're on podcasts, too, on yeah. Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you Google Music, like all the different places. So if you can't get in front of YouTube, totally fine. Check us out on the podcast and you can listen to us on the go. Just type in Pair of Spades somewhere. We'll pop up. That's right. Thanks. We'll see you next time.